we've been sort of trying to get a reboot done, which has involved um, designing a whole new format for the books and also getting on board a new illustrator. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So there's a lot of work that goes into creating a book. Yes, it's not something that you can just do in two minutes. Yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of work. So it's it's getting the idea out. It's getting it down on paper. It's what's inside of you. You have to bring it out. It, you can either leave it as a thought, or you can write it down. Once you write it down, it becomes it, it's like if you draw something, it becomes a plan. Once mm-hmm. it becomes a plan, yeah, you can show somebody else. They can then create it, and that's it's the same with with a book. You need to get the words down. Once you get them down, then you can look at it and think, "This is my story." Then you can start to move it around, change this, move that, change that, and then you get it set out how you want it, and then you go from there. So you need to get it out first. And then obviously from there, you need to get pictures, then you need to get to publisher, and yeah, there's so much more to it than just, people see, you know, you write a book and hey, presto, it all happens overnight. Mm. I think think one of the things that tends to put people off actually doing something about their thoughts or bits of inspiration is that they think they have to get it absolutely perfect and bang on straight away first time and I think um, a lesson to learn is just write down an odd snippet just write down some bits and bobs try putting them together maybe you'll think of some other way of putting them together you don't have to absolutely get it right first time every time you can build on what you're doing from different bits and pieces just do something about it isn't that like an analogy of life you're saying that it's just like um just take baby steps work with it learn from it grow that is that is life just writing it in a book yeah but so many people seem to try and approach life like that don't they and think they've got to get it absolutely bang on right first time and when they don't they get all either depressed or pernickety about it. Mm. It's a conversation. You know, when you start a conversation with somebody, you start with a topic and you talk to them, oh, this happened today. And then they mention something and some word they say triggers something in you and then you start to do. And where the conversation ends up is about 50 million miles away from where you started. That's how you write a book. You start, like Tim said, write it down, write a snippet, put something down, something. Then you look at it, you read it and you look at it and go, Right, then I can add that, and then hold on a minute, I've got this, and then you write something else. I'm sure you know we are. It's a bit like a jigsaw. You start to see the pieces come together, and then as the picture starts to come, you think, "Oh, I need a bit of that, a bit of that," and that, and it works. But get it out. Never let, never, never let it stop. Never stunt yourself. Never just think, "I'm not clever enough. I can't do this." You know, it's anybody can do. Anybody can write. It's, it's, it's you know, it's. It's not a gift. We're not giving. It's not a gift that you're given to be a writer. Although I know some people are gifted, but want to say it's not. There are only certain people that can write. Give it a go. You just never know where you're going to end up. Oh, absolutely. You've got to try it out. I think the issue uh, that certainly what I've experienced with my clients is that they're always thinking of the end result, like that's the thing that they need to focus on. But there's many moving parts and they know that. And so they're overwhelmed and they just don't start. But you're saying which to me, what I'm hearing is the creative process. And that's to brainstorm ideas, just put it down, talk about it to people, uh, to be present and just see things as you go about your day, your weeks, your months, and something will come to you and you'll go, yes, that's what Billy the Bog Brush is going to do today. He's going to do that thing that I recognize in 
whatever the inspiration might be. Hmm. That's very much uh, in, in the article in the magazine, you mentioned about how uh, it took uh, three times, three attempts for me to actually visualize properly what Billy Bob Brush looked like. Um, and um, when uh, Ian invited me into the project to see about doing some visualizations, I mean, that would have been a point where I could have said, no, thank you. Then he asked me to, about doing an illustration. That would have been a point when I could have said, no, thank you, because I've never done a cartoon design, let alone a cartoon design of some childlike character, let alone a childlike character based on a bog brush. <laughs> and so, but I didn't say no, I gave it a go. And I came up with something and I sent it to Ian and he told me it was rubbish. <laughs> that would have been another time. To have, to have said, no, thank you. But I didn't. I tried one more time, which I recognised was rubbish. And then I tried a third time and said, and sent it to Ian and said, what do you think of this? And Ian said... It was, well, as soon as I saw it, you know, sometimes when you see things like Eureka, that's it. Yes. That's it. Don't change it. And it I looked that. at, I looked, yeah, it was, because I looked at it because... Part of me is very, um, when people say you can't do this, yeah, I'll give it a go, I'll do that. You can't wear, it. it's like, this is what is chic. You have to wear this to look cool in the street. I'll wear totally the opposite. Mm -hmm. when you, yeah. So it's a bit like, a, a, bit of, a bit of rebellion, I suppose. So it was like, when I saw him, you know, when he had these yellow gloves on and then that blue trout or brown trout, whatever, and I thought, that's it. He does not look PC. He looks totally different. He just doesn't look like any character. You... That's him. That is him. And oh, is that almost like expressing boring. himself. He like expresses right. himself in whatever way he wants to. The the mix match of colors yeah. and style. Nice. That that's really good for uh, or from what I say. I believe that's a good uh, uh, opportunity for children to see that you don't have to conform with someone that's else. Right. You can be exactly. who you want to be. And that is absolutely okay. That is, in fact, the uh, picture that ended up as the first book cover. So that is the actual first drawing of Billy Bogbrush. Nice. Let's go back to the moment of you on the toilet. I don't want to know what you're doing on the toilet. Let, let's skip that part. <laughs> However, let's talk about the voice. How clear in your mind was it? And, and how do you know that was a different voice to your own? I think like everything else, um, the easiest way to explain it, I've been a Christian for nearly 30 years now. And I think like everything else, when you gain experience in any field, you know, it's like, you know, that you know, that you know. Um, it's like when you're in a relationship, you can look at the, your wife uh, or look at your husband. They don't have to say anything you know mm. so with, with with god's voice i've heard god's voice many many times uh in different different scenarios in different things so i knew it was him it's not because sat on the toilet i I'd, I'd, I'd got into a new house obviously i'd looked around at what i needed to buy and i would got some bits and pieces and obviously one of them was a toilet brush so I, I sat it down and i just happened to look at it and i clearly heard the adventures of billy bog brush so i know how God talks to me, and I know it was him. So there was no question of like saying, right, well, you know, sounds like a good idea, but no, it was like, okay, I, I just do not question it. I go, okay, 
I found out years ago, if you question God, it stops. If you don't question mm-hmm. him, you just do it. That's it. It carries on. So well, on that point, that's interesting. So, Ian, what is your story before this toilet moment? <laughs> in, in what I mean, what, what did I do as a job or? Yeah. So what led you to create this story? Is there a passion that you had when you were younger or um, an influence that led you to create books? Or was there nothing to do with that? And this voice from God took you onto a brand new path and you just thought, I have to roll with this. This is something I need to tap into. I'll try and make it as fast as I can, but it's a bit of a long story. Yeah, I'm a Christian author. So my very first book, uh, I was talking to a lad at work and he mentioned web pages. We're going back way over 20 odd years ago. He mentioned web pages. And from that conversation, things started to come together. I got a website, yada, yada, yada. Um, And I just remember saying to God, look, I need to put stuff onto a website. Uh, I was a fairly new Christian. I said, if you want me to write something, you need to tell me. And, uh, and the very first time I ever got anything from God was on the toilet. I sat on the toilet and a thought came in my head. This is a God's honest truth. I don't say it to sound good. This is, this is the truth. I had a thought just because you can't see him doesn't mean he doesn't exist. And like you said earlier on in the opening bit, what do you do with that? What do you do? Do you think, okay, whatever. But I thought, well, that's a good idea. Okay. So I went downstairs, got an A4 book, and I wrote it down just because you can't see it. And as soon as I wrote it down, where God's concerned, if he says something to you and you work with him, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a bit like somebody saying, I need you to help me. You need to come with me. If you stand there looking at me, then I'll just go and find someone else. If you follow me, then I'll show you what I want you to do. You have to come with me. So with God, it's like he said, uh, the thought came in my head. So as soon as I wrote it down, next minute, I just couldn't stop writing. My hand was like this. It was just going. I'm writing and writing and writing. And it wasn't until the very the third time that I actually got something. I thought, well, hold on a minute. I did ask God, if you want me to write, tell me what to write. And I thought, now I know it's him. So when I get a thought, I need to quickly write it down. And it just started a whole new ball game. So that's how it went. So then... In 2009, I think it was, I was walking home from the shop. I had a four pint of milk in one hand, paper under my arm, and I heard this voice, I walk with God. And I said, okay. And as soon as I said, okay, the 10 chapters, he gave me the 10 chapters. And I'm like, why now? I'm walking home with a four pinter. Couldn't you have waited till I got home? But God doesn't, you know, he... I think it was because I think too much and he thought this is my chance to get in. So he told me and the rest is history. I got there. I wrote it down, got the chapters out and we'll talk about this another time. But yeah, I did that. So I knew then when God speaks and asks, don't question it. Just go, okay. Yeah. So when I heard the events of Billy Bogwash, I'm like, okay, happy days. Let's go with it. Let's not question it. That's it. And so I phoned Tim and said, I've got, a, I've got a, new, a new thing to do. We have a new thing to do. He went, what? I said, the events of Billy Bogbrush. After he stopped laughing, I said, no, I'm serious. And that's, that started the whole, you know, the whole, whole uh, chain off. Yeah, you raise a good point there. When you're slowing down and not in your head or live in someone else's opinions, like I mentioned in the beginning, you can hear things clearly. So for me, I I don't think I've heard God's voice, but I have seen the signs. 
So I've seen things come into my life where I've been like, or uh, I've like posed the question of like, well, what am I going to do now? Like, what's going to happen? What's the future for me? And I'm patient with it. I'm like, you know, now lead me. What is it? What's 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 my next path? And I, I waited some time, and then the sign like showed up in in a variety of forms, and I was like, oh, this is it. So it's not necessarily the voice, but in a way, it is a voice. It's a message, at least. Mm-hmm. Communication. It's yeah. not God's not. It's not always. A lot of people, I think, have this this thought um, that God is going to open the skies and go. It is you, you know. <laughs> but but God is a he's a God of variety. So he. I mean, like I said, it t- takes too long to explain. But he's spoken to me in so many different ways, and he's probably spoken to you in many different ways, and Tim in many different ways. And it's it's just it's having that experience to say this is God and being in tune with waiting and when something comes that you know that you wouldn't normally think of. Mm-hmm. That that's, because I, I had no intention of being a children's author. I just had, I got my first Christian book out and I, I'd, I'd written a couple more and that was it. I was just going to be a Christian author. I had no visions of anything else. I'd worked with him. We, we talked about, we'd done some designs for my books and that was it. Then all of a sudden this turned up and I'm like, Okay. Yeah. I think Ian raised a couple of interesting points there in that God does, doesn't very often actually speak in an audible voice, but he can speak through circumstances. He can speak through that unexpected email, this kind of thing. Um, I've often found that if something happens or if you get a phone call that's a bit off the beaten track, then it's very worthwhile yeah. thinking, wonder if god's in this mm-hmm. you know yeah um so there, there there is that point um and also um another point which i've completely forgotten about <laughs> um, maybe i'll we'll come back to it a bit it'll come back to me well, yeah hopefully like, not no. at the end of the recording <laughs> <laughs> well you think about it nicole turned up into our life and now we're here on yellow hmm. yeah absolutely that's it and that's why i Lines and uh, it leads you from the next thing to the next thing and beautiful thing, beautiful things happen there's a lot yeah. of uh, things that we could appreciate in our lives and I believe that's that's God's plan for us to navigate us to uh, our better place so you mentioned there Ian that you had some or, or an interest in writing books or being a writer and so with this voice from God this message on the toilet sorry I can't help but refer back to the toilet moment I quite enjoy saying it on the toilet Uh, it means that um, he's leveraging your uniqueness your strengths and guiding you to go with that as opposed to resist it and stay small or stay safe for example Um, and it I've asked you already Ian but uh, for you Tim what was it for your inspiration? I know that it wasn't necessarily like God's voice in this case, uh, as Ian asked you, but what mm-hmm. made you make that decision? What, you know, how did you feel that it was the right path for you to take? Who? Um, well, I mean, just kind of generally from a sort of um, art and design side, uh, when I was eight, I was uh, given the privilege of joining the newly consecrated Coventry Cathedral uh, Choir. And uh, at that age, going into that building, I was just overawed at the whole beauty, the whole aesthetic of it. And so I think that 
right from an early age sparked off um, an appreciation of design, art, beauty, all these kind of things. Um, have, have you ever visited Coventry Cathedral? No, I haven't. Well, you make your way to Coventry. <laughs> I'll be happy to give you a guided tour <laughs> and um, you will see what an absolutely inspiring place it is. Um, so that has been a background to a lot of my life. Um, and um, uh, so, so when Ian gave me this invitation <laughs> to be part of the Billy Bob project, I, I thought, well, I can't just sort of, you know, ignore it. I've got to do something with it, even though it's a whole new area for me that uh, uh, I've never been involved with. Um, and um, so really went on from there. And, you know, I initially thought, okay, design the characters, job's done. But of course, no, there was more. And I had to end up doing illustrations for the entire first book. Um, so we managed to get that published. And I'll always remember that day in November 2017, when through the post arrived the first ever copy of our book. Mm. It was a really amazing moment. And I phoned Ian up and I think I took a picture of it and sent him and said, look, Oh, it really is a fantastic moment. It is. It really yeah. is a fantastic moment. Um, and um, uh, so, fair enough. And by then, I think we got one or two other stories written. Um, and we developed our technique of collaborating on the stories as well. Um, so, you know, the thing was already snowballing into a momentum of its own. Mm -hmm. So then your next story is mm -hmm. the Fire Brigade, is that right? No, the Fire Brigade was the first one. Yeah. And the second one was uh, The Lost Boy. The Lost Boy. Okay. And in both of those books, the phrase, I can do it, is that replicated? I can do that. Yes, of course. That's what children say often. I can do that. I can do that, yeah. Is that a phrase you have in all of your books or do you come up with new phrases that children often say that uh, you want to help inspire and motivate them in their, uh, in their story time? Um, I think it's a phrase that we've been putting into all of the stories as part of what Billy Bob Brush does, what Billy Bob Brush thinks. Um, you know, he will get himself into a situation and then think of something he can do and he will think to himself I can do that he will even shout to himself sometimes I can do that the whole idea is is you know, the whole idea is, is that is Billy's phrase so I mean you, you mentioned you know are we going to incorporate other things but I, the future who knows the future we may I mean you know we are interacting with the kids and if there is something that does come up in the future that we think hold on we could do that but at the moment, I think that is the phrase. I suppose it's like every uh, comedian has got their own catchphrase. So they're synonymous with it. And I think that's, for the moment, that is what we want to get into the children. I can do that. Because, mm. I mean, nobody teaches children to be negative. But immediately you ask children, I can't do that. I can't do that. And you go, no, you can. So that's the whole idea. So Billy's catchphrase is, that's what we're hoping the parents will pick up on it, is to teach children, look, Billy, Billy can do it, so can you. So we want children to say, 
I can do that. And that, so I think that's going to be the, the one for the, excuse me, the one for the moment that's going to stick out because that is Billy's catchphrase. And, and so it's not to be... then to, um, to take Billy on a journey to do some sort of adventure and that I can do that is weaved into it. So children can relate to it. Is that how the books are kind of like positioned? That's right, yeah. Because um, the, the, the stories pretty much always involve Billy getting into a fixed or an unusual situation in trying to help somebody. And so he then has to work out step by step how we can actually do this seemingly impossible thing. And so with each step, he kind of thinks or speaks, I can do that. So, you know, in the fire brigade, the first thing is he's got to reach a key that is out of reach and he can't even jump high enough for it. And so the first thing he thinks of, he sees a staircase. So he thinks, climb up three stairs. I can do that. Yeah. And then climb up one of the banister poles. I can do that. And so it goes on. And so once we'd actually done the first two, three, four stories, it was all a part of um, the whole Billy Bob Rush uh, scenario. Really. Interesting, actually, because at the beginning of this, you said about how you break down the steps to get something done, to achieve writing the book. But you're saying that in the stories, Billy Bogbrush is also breaking down those steps. So it's, That's this thing exactly seems right, impossible. Yeah. So instead of a child being in the impossible mindset going, well, I can't do it, so what's the point? They are saying, I can do that, what are my options? Okay, they're exploring what's available, what resources do they have to take that small step? And then they go, okay, well, now what can I do? Okay, mm -hmm. I reach this. Oh, now what do I do? And before you know it, those little steps will get you to where you want to be. That's exactly the idea, yeah. yeah. And um, well, I mentioned this reboot of the whole project. Um, and the first story in this reboot is actually about the fourth or fifth one we wrote. Um, and it's uh, about, um, I won't go too much into detail, um, but it's basically about Billy rescuing a little girl who falls into a canal. Um, and at one point, you know, Billy's obviously wondering what he can do to help about this. And he thinks through things and eventually gets to the thought, it all depends on a rope. And says, Mr. So-and-so, have you got a rope? So, yes, he's got a rope. So that's that step done. And then he can go on to whatever comes next in the story. <laughs> when, you, when you look at children, though, what we're looking at is when you look at the young ones and they're looking up, looking at a staircase, it's very, very big. I can't get all the way to the top. But if you start, if you climb up the first step, you can do that. And when you're on the first step, the next step is just the same as the last one. Just do it again. And if you keep doing it, eventually you end at the top. So it's breaking it down. It's not, yes, it's big for you at the moment, but if you break it down to small little bite-sized chunks and do one at a time, you'll get there. So I can do that. I can do that. I can do it. I've done it. Mm -hmm. so yeah. that's, we're trying to change the mindset of the children to get them to say, hold on a minute. Don't look at it in, as, as a big problem. Break it down into small pieces. Know that you can do something. You can do this little bit, do that little bit. Eventually, you'll do the whole thing. And it builds confidence within the children to go on and, and, and look at every situation. If Billy can do it, I've done it before, 
I'll do it again. It's the same with adults. It's like when you first take, you know, you go into a driving test. Once you've had your driving test, you, go, you sit in your car for the first time. After a few years, you're driving with your arm on the window. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, and it's just doing it, isn't it? It's one thing after it. It's gaining that confidence. I've done it before, I can do it again. Confidence. And children, obviously, are no different. Mm -hmm. So we're building their confidence, trying to get over that fear. Stop looking at it as a big thing, break it down. And if Billy can do it, so can you. It's a little bit like that thing that uh, sometimes comes out in business meetings. How do you eat an elephant? <laughs> a bit at a time. There you are. There's the quote of the day. And are there other phrases? It's not original, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, are there any original uh, phrases that you're going to come out with in future stories that you're trying to develop? Like, mm. for example, I was thinking, you know, as I was preparing some questions, I thought, well, OK, if I ask this, what possible answers could could they respond with? And I was like, well, OK, if I was a child or I was a parent, rather, if I was a parent, and I was nurturing a child, what things do I see that um, slows them down? And one thing that I uh, thought about was this whole, they have to always be right. There's some sort of teaching as, as parents and society that we have to be right. And for children, it'll be great if they can just say, I was wrong and, mm -hmm. and improve their emotional intelligence. So is there any other phrases or lessons that you've got coming out in your future books? Not that I can recall, but now you've mentioned it, who knows? Hey. <laughs> Maybe there's a story well, about going to yellow. <laughs> who knows? Um, but I mean, the, the adventures do sort of go down different avenues. Um, for example, uh, one of the uh, wonderful stories that Ian came up with um, was inspired by I needed to get out one day and I said, Ian, do you want to come with me? And we went to a uh, local reservoir. And um, before I knew it, before the evening was out, um, Ian had written a story, a Billy Bogbrush story, uh, and it involved a um, swan talking to Billy, saying, can I help you? And um, eventually uh, the swan allows Billy to reach up and grab hold of his legs so that the swan can uh, uh, fly him out over the water to somehow that some help was needed. So yeah, yeah, I'm, that's <laughs> where I'm leaving it. That's where I'm leaving it. So, you know, there's, there's, there's the, there are these sort of new directions in each story one way or another. Yeah, I'm just trying to extract out of you. I'm trying to get the exclusive here. <laughs> <laughs> I think for okay. the moment we've we've stuck to I think we've we've stuck to a sort of certain format and then we I mean the stories I think we've tried to stick to things that really would happen to a child mm -hmm. and rather than make it a fantasy where children can read it and it might sound good but we've tried to keep it to things that really could happen I mean the lost boy it could happen and that the whole story evolves around something that really could happen to a child of four, five, six, seven, whatever. So we've, we've kept it to that format. But like you said, um, who knows the future? So, yeah. And um, one of the free stories, The Little Lamb, uh, was actually based on something that happened to me um, just last year uh, in that uh, I'd been going, I'd been starting going on some rambles around the Warwickshire countryside uh, with a friend of mine and 
what actually happened in that story actually happened to me. And we had to help out in a particular way. And there was no one else around to help. And so that's what we did. And I told Ian about it. And he initially thought, mm, not sure I can get a story out of that. By the time we got home, it was written. Oh, and did you use the same method as before where you had the idea and you kind of like brainstormed like the jigsaw puzzle as you explained and it came to life? No, How was this different well, then? I, what I did on that one, because obviously Tim said, this is what happened. He explained the story. I just transformed Tim really for Billy. It was literally putting Billy in his position mm -hmm. and then just go through the story. And I, and I obviously added a few more bits and pieces to it, but the story told itself exactly as he told me it happened. I laid it out from, from there. So that was slightly easier on that one, but it was just fun to write because I thought, so what are the chances of that happening to Tim out there or anybody, you know? And when, as soon as he told me, I thought, fantastic, let's go for it. And it was just, let's write it in. Oh, wonderful. So there's lots of different versions and Billy Bogbrush is going to continue to grow? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You never know what the future happens. It's Every day is an adventure. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. one of the, um, in fact, the vision of Go to Yellow is to uh, have people that are so inspired that when they wake up in the morning, they have eyes beaming like children mm -hmm. and they're excited for the day. They say, can we play now? Like they are it's those words that they say but when we adult it's oh i've got to get up now another day god so yeah. we just need to be more like children to be inspired mm. to love life and appreciate it. it's an adventure it's a challenge but it's it's a beautiful experience and we're being gifted this opportunity mm -hmm. yeah well i mean I, I don't believe that um god made this sort of covid 19 situation that totally devastated last year but he, I'm sure he has used it in a lot of ways to get people thinking, what is the rat race all about? Yeah. Why should we be doing things in this particular way and that particular mm -hmm. way? Um, there are other ways to do these things. And it has stirred up creative juices. It has stirred up um, thinking of new ways to communicate, new ways to interact with each other. and. Uh, although um, economically it's been pretty disastrous for a lot of people, I think in a sort of more personal way, in a deeper way, a lot of people are going to be surprised at how they're going to benefit out of um, just being forced into a situation of having to rethink life, really. Yeah, we've had that opportunity to slow down so that we can hear our own voices amongst the noise out there. So yeah, I and agree with you. I've voices. seen a lot of people shift from this previous world to something that's more in line with what they want it to be. How many times have people said, I wish somebody would stop the world so we can get off of <laughs> 2020? It was stopped and we all got off and everything's changed. Oh, it has. Okay, well, it's great, guys. Um, but uh, we need to wrap it up. So based on what you've shared today, what is the one key advice that you'd give to the listeners? Now I'm going to come to you first of all, Ian. I would say never give up. Just go with it. Give yourself the chance. Dream, believe. Just whatever's inside, whatever's inside of you, never think I'm not good enough. I can't do that. Be like Billy and say, I can do that. Give it a go. Try it because you never know what the future holds. Wonderful. And you, Tim, what one key advice would you give to the listeners? 
Well, um, I have a poster in my bedroom, which is a beautiful sunrise. And it's a quote from a philosopher. I'm not quite sure who, but it says, nothing happens unless first a dream. Oh, so yeah, imagine it a bit first and then don't be afraid to put it into practice. Yeah, dream, then be brave and yep. do it. Try it. Yeah. Good. Okay. And do you have any services, products available to help the listeners to go to yellow? We have the books. The books. And where can we, we find the books, them? Yep. Which are available on Amazon. And uh, they're available in um, electronic versions as well as being able to order the paper version. But there is an advantage to ordering the paper version because I'll show you in this one. At uh, the back of the book, we've actually put some activity pages for kids to actually draw and do one or two other things, one or two puzzles, some activity pages, um, which you don't actually get in the electronic version. Nice. So some added bonus to get creative mm -hmm. and to express themselves. Maybe they learn something from the book and they want to just write it down. Yeah, well, it's all based on the story. Uh, so, for example, um, one of the uh, uh, one of the things in in in, in the lost boy is um, did you notice the caterpillar? So uh -huh. maybe they didn't. So they'll have to go back through the pictures and notice the caterpillar. Yeah. And also go onto the website, Billy Bob Brush, www.billybobbrush.co.uk, and have a have a play around and have a look and see what the website holds. Have some fun. Is that where the listeners can get in touch with you? Is the website? Yes. Yep. There is a contact page on the website. Um, it's it's very clear how to do that, and it comes through to one of our email boxes. Um, yeah. I was also going to say um, there is the gallery page uh, on the website. We love to get pictures of either children with the book or this sort of thing. Um, in fact, last year we did some book hunts, didn't we? Yes, we did. And we hid a few copies of the books around some local parks and green areas to let people uh, have a go at finding them. And we actually got, what, two or three pictures yep. from yeah, that of um, some of the kids that had found, found the books to keep them. And um, uh, so uh, there's also a short video that I made based on one of the actual readings that we did in the school. And you have the joy of hearing 150 children scream out, I can do that. It's deafening. So yes, have a look at the books, go to the website. Um, like I say, we would really genuinely love for you to, to send us a picture, you know, of, of either you reading to your little ones or just a picture of your little ones holding the book, please. If, if you're comfortable with it, it's okay by you, send us a photograph, uh, the picture, obviously Tim will then upload it to the website. You can go back on, and, and, and see your children holding the book. And also, when you do go to Amazon, please, please leave us a review. Say something about the book. It doesn't matter if it's negative or positive. You know, we take both. Just leave a review. That would be absolutely superb. Yeah, you know, we really would love you to do that. That'd be great. And, um, and the, the ultimate aim of the stage in the project that we're at, really, is to secure an agent to represent us to publishers. So if anyone out there does happen to be an agent that can represent us to a publisher, please, please get in touch. Say to yourself, I can do that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
brilliant. Ian and Tim are available to support you, guide you, and inspire you on a journey to yellow. Reach out to them today. Help is here. It's always here, but you must take the first step. Details can be found in the description. Gents, thank you for your words of wisdom today and in the Yellow Magazine. May your life be yellow. God bless you. God bless you. You're more than welcome. Anytime. You're more than welcome. Thank you.